Shalom Singapore and greetings from Tel Aviv. I'm Ron Cantor and I'm so blessed to be with you right now. I'm a little sad because I was supposed to be with you physically back in February, but the, I don't know if you heard about it, but there was like a virus or something. And, uh, yeah, I think you heard about it. And, uh, I am so grateful that, uh, your pastor, Pastor Wilson Teo is much better, uh, that in fact we were praying for him back in February. But it was also in February that I really felt that God began to speak to me, and he continued to speak to me over the next several months. Before I get into that, I want to go ahead and pray together. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Yeshua, we just ask for your grace, your mercy. This uh, During this time, we want to hear from heaven. We want to hear from you. What are you saying to your church today? Through this virus, through, through the... Uh, other tension throughout the world. What are you saying to us, Father? How can we prepare? We don't want to hear from man today. We want to hear from Yeshua, from Jesus. Amen. And I can remember going back to to, to late February uh, when all this was beginning to happen. My wife and I, because we weren't in Singapore, we went to Elot, which is our southern coast on the Red Sea. We just took a few days to relax. And one night before we went out, we're watching the news in Hebrew. And that's kind of right when the world was beginning, at least this part of the world, was beginning to realize that this is a big deal. This is serious. And as we're watching the news, we could both feel a spirit of panic come upon us. And, uh, we were paralyzed. We went out to dinner. I don't know what we talked about that day, but it was like this demonic spirit just settled upon us. And the next morning, I got my wife, Ilana. I said, we got to pray. We got to break this. God is not the author of panic. You know, when all these things happen, that is going to be the tendency of those who live in darkness. But it's not our tendency. We live in light. We know where we're going. Our names are written in heaven. If the worst happens... We get eternal life. That's if the worst case scenario, we get eternal life. But I want to tell you where that word panic comes from. It doesn't come from the word pandemic, although that would be convenient, right? It actually comes from right here in Israel. If you go up into the north, there's a place called the Banyas, but it used to be called Panyas. They change it to Banyas because the Arabs who live there can't say P, so they change it to a B, but it was originally Panias, and in that word you hear the word pan, panias. Now why was it called that? Because in mythology there was this demonic figure, he was a, a half goat, half man, and his name was Pan or Pan. And he was a very perverted god and did all kinds of horrible things. But one of the things he did is he would take a nap every afternoon and he would wake up from this nap and he would let out this shout that anybody who heard it would immediately be frightened. And so they, they made a name out of it. Panic. Panic from this, this demonic God. And that's where it comes from. As believers, we don't want to give into some demonic mythology. We are the people of light. And so many people all over the world are giving into that spirit uh, of panic instead of into uh, seeking God, asking God what he is saying, applying the promises of God. Now, to be clear, 
I think it is important to understand that this virus is real. You know, you can respect the virus without fearing the virus. You understand? Don't be arrogant against the virus. It can't touch me. It'll, no, that, that is not the proper biblical attitude. Not to walk in some pseudo-faith, but biblical faith where we understand it's real, but we still apply the promises of God. Well, it was about... Two weeks later in March, I was sitting, actually I was sitting right here, I'm in my home right now, and I was sitting right here on a Shabbat, Saturday afternoon, and I began to pray. And I said, God, is there something you want to say to me right now or to us as a body about what's going on in the earth with this virus? And, and immediately in prayer, I heard these two words, be ready. Now, instinctively, I, I, I was drawn to Matthew 24. I knew that what Yeshua was telling me right then was connected to Matthew 24. And I, I opened it up, and, and uh, he talks about the end times. It's the Olivet Discourse, uh, where he, he, there's, there's, he points to the temple, and he talks about the fact that it's going to be destroyed. He prophesies about the destruction that would come in 40 years to Jerusalem. But he also speaks about the second coming. He says that uh, there'll be earthquakes, uh, there will be famines, and there will be plagues. He talks about there being tension between nations. He talks about people falling away from the faith. In the midst of that, he says, don't be alarmed, which kind of seems like, what? It's, you're talking about earthquakes, and you're talking about uh, uh, pestilence or plagues, and don't be alarmed. But he, what he's saying is that don't be alarmed because you're the children of light. Don't be alarmed because I will be with you always until the ends of the earth. Not that these aren't real things and not that there isn't going to be real danger, but don't be alarmed. And then he says something very interesting in verse eight. He says, these are the beginnings of birth pangs. Now, uh, uh, that, that word or that phrase birth pangs just kind of reverberated in my spirit and, uh, a birth pang, uh, and I, I apologize up front to uh, the precious mothers out there because I have never been through what you've been through in birthing a baby. I have witnessed it three times, and it does not look like a picnic. It looks like it's very intense and difficult. My wife turned into another woman, and I thought she might hurt me. But, uh, but what happened is that initially she had a contraction, and it was intense, and it was painful, but then it subsided. And what we tend to do is we think, oh, contraction, it's over, we're good, everything's going to go back to normal. That's not what happens when you're having, now that could be happening if you just have some other pain, but not birth pangs. Birth pangs will get more and more intense, and they're leading to a birth. By the way, that's why Yeshua says, don't be afraid, don't be alarmed. It's leading to something. A birthing is coming, and that's the millennial kingdom. When this whole thing's in, when this whole thing ends, Yeshua returns. He takes over the world. He sets up his kingdom. That's why in, in Luke chapter 21, he says, when you see all these things happening, lift up your head for your redemption 
draweth nigh. Your redemption's drawing close. When you see these horrible things happening, and it is horrible, you know, watching, you know, loved ones dying in a, in a ICU without anybody there with them, it's, it's heartbreaking. But Jesus says, when you see these birth pangs, understand your redemption is getting closer. Now, the other thing about birth pangs is they don't just kind of come and then, and then disappear. I know that there were many pastors of, uh, I have a friend of mine who is a mega church pastor, and he said that a lot of his buddies were saying, this is going to be over soon, and then we're going to go back to normal. That was back in, I think, April, and now here we are in September. You know, maybe normal is gone. Maybe there is a new normal. Maybe what we need to do at this point is we need to take our lives and simply say, God, I give you my normal. I give you my life. My life belongs to you. I'm here to serve you. Yeshua, you purchase me. If it means that I can never, we never actually meet in a physical building, but we, we do it like this on video, on, whatever it means, God, let me serve you. Let me make a difference in this world. So uh, I personally went through a moment of really just taking my life. I've got dreams. I've got uh, passions. There are things that are important to me. I have a tour business. I love leading Israel tours. My wife and I are passionate about taking people all over this country. And thank God, we've been able to supplement our income. We've lost like $40,000. Do I care? Yeah, that's $40,000. But do I really care? No, I don't care. My life belongs to God. Yes, I would prefer to have those finances, and I would prefer to be leading you all over this country. But at the end of the day, not my will, God's will be done. We have to all take our lives and put them on the altars. Whatever dreams that we have, we got to put it on the altar. Keith Green, who I just love so much, if you're not familiar with him, he was a, a, a Jewish hippie who got born again in the 70s, a musician, and he, what the Beatles were to rock and roll, Keith Green was to Christian music, contemporary Christian music. And he was prophetic in the way he wrote. In one of his great songs, he writes, I pledge my head to heaven for the gospel. I pledge my wife, my kids to heaven. In other words, I'm putting it all on the altar just to fulfill God's purpose in my life. And God began to continue to speak these themes to me over the next series of weeks and months until I realized that I had a bunch of chapters in a book. Uh, finally, and I'll get into the more the depth of what we wrote in just a minute, but uh, my wife and I, we went to Jerusalem about, uh, I'm going to say, uh, end of July, and we were there for three days, and I literally just sat down at a computer, and I wrote for two and a half days, and, and, and 80% finished a book. I've never done that in my life. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that all these themes that God had been putting in my spirit over the past uh, several months literally poured out of me. I've never had that experience where I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And now we have this book, which is entitled Birth Pangs. And friends, I'm not about selling books. I'm about getting a message into your hands that, that could literally save your souls. Because in the coming days, whether, whether uh, the coming of the Lord is a thousand years from now 
or seven years from now. I don't know. I think we're in the beginning of the beginning of the end. I think that this is that birth pang season, but I could be wrong. There have been many people who thought that they were, you know, hundreds of years ago, thought that the, the return of the Lord was imminent any minute. But we live in different times. Israel is restored as a nation. Jerusalem is her capital again. More and more nations are recognizing Jerusalem. We, we are in a different moment in time prophetically. We know that the restoration of Israel is connected to the coming of the Lord. That generation that sees the fig tree blossom, also in Matthew 24, uh, will see the coming of the Lord. So yes, I do believe that we're in that season, but I, I'm not dogmatic about it. I just want to be ready. I want to be ready because one of the things that is going to happen is that there's going to be a great falling away. It says there in verse 9 and 10 that there'll be that, that, that believers will turn away from the faith and betray each other. Do you understand that? That means that somebody who right now loves the Lord will turn away from God and then report their friends to the Antichrist, to the authorities, that they'll be like spies within our midst. That those are, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 24. And it's very important that we, we glue ourselves to the word of God during this time because Yeshua also warns us about deceptions, about false messiahs. One of the things that has greatly concerned me is the amount of false prophecy in the charismatic movement today. It, 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 listen, I'm charismatic. I, I, I'm prophetic. Uh, I believe that God speaks to me. I'll let you judge for yourselves whether it's from the Lord or not. But uh, I have seen since this coronavirus so much, forgive me, but nonsense when it comes to prophecy. I'll give you just one example. One of the premier, premier prophets in the world uh, in January as this virus was seeping its way secretly out of China to the rest of the world, he's prophesying from his church par parking lot that 2020 is going to be the year of accumulation, abundance, of blessing. God's going to be, be blessing. And listen, I'm blessed right now, uh, but I didn't accumulate. I lost quite a bit. Uh, but, but, but a premier prophet and yet did not see the coronavirus coming. Then this same fellow on, on February 28th, as, as in at least in America, uh, coronavirus hadn't really had a great impact, he prophesied that God has shown him the end of the coronavirus and it's, it's, it's right around the corner, that God's going to put an end to it. And here we are six months later, seven months later. At that point, nobody had died in America. Now they're approaching 200,000. And I think we're approaching a million worldwide. That, that, and there's so many like that. Another fellow passionately got up in front of his congregation on February 15th and passionately in the first person. By the way, if you're going to prophesy, it's always best to tone down the language. Maybe don't say, thus saith the Lord. Maybe say, I feel that God might be saying this. I'm saying this for your own protection. Because he got up and in the first person, as if God was talking, he, he, he prophesied. 
how this virus was not going to have a great impact in America because of President Trump's policy. And yet, since that time, we've seen almost 200,000 deaths, and they're expecting it to be double before it's all over, by the end of the year even. Uh, and, and there was passion in his voice. Like, if you hear him, you're, you're thinking, okay, praise God, this is, I'm good. It's not going to touch America. And yet there's no accountability. They don't come back and say, you know what? I gave a false prophecy. I need to repent. I need to ask forgiveness. I need to submit myself to other leaders to find out how I could have been so wrong in passionately speaking for God. Instead of that, he comes back a month later and continues to prophesy and talks about how God was going to use this virus to bring unity. Now, I know you're in Singapore, but I, I, and I'm in Israel, but because I'm American by birth, I'm watching the news, and I've never seen America more divided. Not just the secular world, but even within the church. At the end of the day, all I need is Yeshua. All I need is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that is the fuel that is going to give you the grace to survive during the birth pangs. And again, birth pangs come in waves. So the fact that, you know, it is interesting that they all said it was going to end in April. And it, here in Israel, we shut down the country. We were one of the first. And we got it down to like five new cases a day. And then we opened the country back. We thought it's over. Praise God, we we survived coronavirus. Everybody relaxed a little bit. Ah, the contraction was gone. And then suddenly in June, boom, another correct contraction. And we are now up to 3,000 new cases a day. We're leading the world. Can you believe that? Little tiny Israel. Per capita, we are the number one new coronavirus cases a day in the world. And what's interesting is that all these prophets, they came together. And, 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 and it was, it was to, Give a prophetic voice to what's happening in the world with this virus. It's a pandemic. And not one of them said, you know what, guys? I, we need to pray uh, against riots and, and racial tensions. We need to play, pray for white and black Americans for unity. Something's cut. Not one of them. See, they didn't start the video, the five-hour Zoom video, by saying, uh, you know, we just want to repent that for whatever reason, we never saw the coronavirus coming. We never had that warning in our spirit that there was going to be a plague on the earth. We don't know how we missed it. We're, we're the prophets. No, no, but they didn't seem to think that that was a problem. And then beyond that, not one of them seemed to see that in six weeks, an earthquake was coming to America. I'm sorry. Riots all over the country and protests and tensions and, 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 and black people being killed and police officers being killed. And I mean, nobody saw it. So one of the things I think God is telling us is that we've got to get on our face and begin to say, how can we be a prophetic people if we're not hearing from God? So friends, we're talking about birth pangs. What's the ne next birth pain to come? I don't know. I just know that we have to be ready. Now is the time to be ready. You know, there are some that believe that we will be raptured before the great tribulation. Some think that we'll be raptured in the middle. And then there's others who think that we will be raptured at the end of the great tribulation. 
my personal opinion is that it's you should be ready to go at any time. You should live your life that if the rapture is today, you're ready to go. But what if God has called us to go through the tri great tribulation, to be a witness, to share the gospel, then you also need to be ready to stay. I, if I, As a believer today, I want to be ready to go right now, but I also want to be spiritually ready. I don't want to be one of those who fall away, who get angry at God, because in the midst of the great tribulation. I thought I wasn't going to be here. And suddenly there, there is birth pangs. There are earthquakes. There are famines. I don't want to fall away and get angry. I said, I would never do that. You know who got angry at God? Who got confused at God? It's hard to believe it because he was a prophet. Not only was he a prophet, he was the greatest of all the prophets because he prophesied the coming of the Messiah in his lifetime, John the Baptist, cousin of Yeshua. He, he, you know, I don't know what he was thinking when he, John chapter one, he sees Yeshua coming and he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and it's my cousin Yeshua. And, and you know what? I'm not gonna, you know, I, I, I shouldn't baptize him. He should baptize, but you know what? I'm gonna, he was probably so excited. He, he probably thought he would be part of the Yeshua movement. But then he says, I must decrease but he must increase. Next thing you know, he's in jail. And then he sends word to Yeshua, Matthew 11. And, and, and he says, are, are, are you really him? Should we expect somebody else? Are you really the guy? What does Yeshua say? Go back, tell him what I'm doing. Tell him I'm healing the sick. I'm raising the dead. I'm, I'm preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And then he says this, blessed is he who does not fall away or get offended on account of me. He, he, hear me, friends. It's easy to become angry. I have a hard time getting angry with God. I mean, I've got the, the bad things happen to me. The reason it's hard for me to be angry with God is I know he's perfect. Even when it appears that he's imperfect, I know at the end of the day he's perfect. But every now and then I can get a little bit upset. You know what I'm saying? And I have met people who've gone through really great tragedies, great difficulties, and they're mad at God. They're angry. Here's John the Baptist, the greatest prophet, and he's confused by cousin Yeshua. He's wondering, is he really the Messiah? If that can happen to John the Baptist, it can happen to me, it can happen to you. And I am concerned that if we are here during this great tribulation, that we cannot get offended of God. What did Yeshua say? Blessed is he who does not get offended because of me. That word in the Greek, uh, offended, it means like to be, to be caught in a snare. When you get offended at God, when you allow yourself to get offended at God, it's like getting caught in a trap, like an animal, and you can't get out. Only God can set you free. Again, the Bible speaks of a great falling away. Friends, this is of something of, of great concern to me, uh, that we be ready, that we be prepared. And I don't mean that you, 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 you gotta buy a generator or have enough food. I mean that our faith must be strong, uh, like Elijah, who during the famine, God was sending ravens to him, sending water, water from the brook. He was drinking. God is gonna supernaturally provide for us. You know, the Israelites during the, 
uh, Passover saga, the Exodus, during the 10 plagues, they were taken care of. The plagues never touched them. And I believe that if we do go through the Great Tribulation, that we will be provided for, that we will be protected, we will be persecuted. Many believers will give their life for the Lord. But we've got to be strong. We've got to be ready. We've got to be generous. We don't want to have a scarcity mentality. We want to have an abundance mentality. What's the difference? Scarcity means, oh, I don't have much, so I can't give any away. Abundance means God is providing for me, so no matter what I give it away, God will always take care of me. I'll give you an example. Elisha and the widow. He comes to this widow, and he says, uh, you know, what you got to eat? And she's like, got to eat? You know, I've got this flow cake of flour. I'm going to make it, and me and my son, we're going to eat it, and then we're just going to die. I- I've got a better idea. Go make that cake, and then give me some first, and then you go eat some. And she's like, <laughs> what are you crazy? He's like, just do it. Now, that sounds, I understand, like a lot of prosperity preachers today who misuse passages like that, manipulating people, but that's not what he was doing. He was teaching her something powerful, that when you give out of your need, you're exercising faith in God, and then what happened? She had all she needed. God took care of her. She never ran out because she took care of others first. We got to be generous during the end times, but I'm scared. I'm concerned that many are going to fall away. Why? Because that's what Yeshua said. They'll fall away. They'll betray each other till they'll begin to hate each other. I don't want that to be you. I don't want it to be me. So we've got to be ready. I want to pray for you right now. Uh, I want to pray that you'll be ready, and uh, if you want to be able to get a hold of this book that we've written, Birth Pangs, your your leaders and pastors can give you the information on that. Uh, Maybe we can get some uh, copies there to Singapore. I just want you to be ready. I want you to be strong. Listen, no matter what generation lives during the reign of the Antichrist, it says all throughout Revelation that he who stands firm to the end will be saved. This calls for patient endurance of the saints. And you know what? Maybe Ron Kenner's wrong. Maybe the next 20 years, the whole world is going to be prosperous and no earthquakes, no famine, no coronavirus. I hope so. That would be great. My tour business will be happy. But I want to be ready no matter what. I want you to be ready. Father, in Yeshua's name, I bless my brothers and sisters in Singapore. Make them ready and make them salt, and make them light. The most important thing that we can do during this time is not save our lives, but lose our lives for Him. Share the gospel. Great commission. It's not about saving my lives. It's not about arguing with people. Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? It's not about that. that, That's so low on God's priorities. The most important thing right now for us, the believers, is to make disciples. When Yeshua gave the Great Commission, they call it a Great Commission for a reason, because it was the greatest of all commissions. And it wasn't about demanding my rights. It was about losing my life for the sake of the kingdom of God, to make disciples, to preach the gospel. So I bless you. Go, go. I know Singapore is not that big, but go and share the good news of Yeshua with everyone. Amen.